Welcome to the Art of Intention podcast with Beth and Ayla, two best friends turned creative entrepreneurs. This is a place for us to discuss everything business, friendships, and faith, and occasionally more. We're so excited for today's episode. We think you're going to love it. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Beth and Ayla with you here today. We're excited to be hanging out with you this fine Monday morning. We have a pretty full and kind of a different show today, so let's get right into it. Today's episode is just a fun, chill hangout time where we'll be sharing a few stories about jobs we had prior to owning our businesses, even a bad boss story or two, so there's some tea, and even a crazy client story or two from Beth's photography journey. I also, Ayla here, have a pretty exciting life update that I've been wanting to share, and I wanted the podcast to hear it first. So we also wanted to send some business motivation your way. So stay tuned to the end of the episode to see exactly what I mean by that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening, feel free to cozy up, grab a warm beverage or a cold beverage if it's hot where you are. True. (laughs) Uh, Or head out on a drive. Just hang out with us today. We're going to quickly hop into our community news and then we're off on the episode. So Ayla, why don't you take that away? So for our community news today, I am super excited about it. It's for the photo editors listening or photographers looking to offer some more luxury luxury experiences to their clients. It is a little Photoshop course that is up and coming that I'm super excited to announce. So it's the Photoshop Bootcamp, and it's run by a fellow editor I know in the editing industry, Nina Castro. And it is going to be a live jumpstart training for those who are looking to get started in editing in Photoshop content. Confidently. So, we're going to leave a link to a waitlist in the course in our episode description. I'm signed up for the waitlist because maybe not everyone knows this. I don't currently edit in Photoshop. I know some things about it, but I really haven't learned it professionally in the same way that I got to learn Lightroom editing. And I learned really well in like a professional course setting. So, I'm on the waitlist for this course. And if there's anyone else, photo editor or photographer, who's been wondering about offering their clients more Photoshop experiences, Mm -hmm. This might be something for you. So the link to sign up for the waitlist will be in our episode description, and we hope to see you over there. So as is the case with everyone else, Beth and I have had a few different jobs leading up to business owning. Mm -hmm. We both went to school for a a few years. We both worked part or full time, worked odd jobs, etc. So I thought it could be fun to just do a little blast to the past and kind of sum up our work in education to get us up to speed to now. So of course, we're not going to be naming any of the actual (laughs) businesses we worked for to maintain our and their privacy, but just a little summary of where we've been. Uh, So Beth, if you'd like to start us off with the jobs you've had and you can touch on your education if you want to, whatever you feel. Sure. This is so fun. I love that. So, all right, we'll just go back to my first job. Uh, My first job that I ever had, it was actually from elementary school, eighth grade-ish, throughout all of high school. And it was working at a wonderful little thrift store. I'm not going to lie. That is still one of my absolute favorite memories, favorite jobs. I loved everything about that job. I started as a cashier and then years went on and I eventually was kind of like an in-store manager, I guess, at the second location because there were two locations for it. Um, You know, I would work in the store by myself, open and close. There was no one else there throughout the day. So I loved the responsibility of it. I loved getting to know the people that came in. So that was awesome. It was probably the best first job experience you could ever have. It was, I, I still think about it all the time. I loved that job. Then at the end of high school, I did have a job as a hostess at a restaurant. 
at the same time during like the last year of my high school experience. So I only worked at the thrift store on weekends and then I would work a couple nights a week as a hostess at a restaurant. For college, I went to Chico State for biochem and I worked as a resident advisor for a couple of years. And I don't feel bad naming that business because it's just a college. Well, yeah, but, right. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, it's hard to describe that job and I don't want to like drag on too long. So if you're wondering what it is, you can Google uh, RA or resident advisor they're pretty much the same at, I think, any For school. any university. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, at, by the end of my time as an RA, I managed uh, like two and a half buildings because we were understaffed. So I had like 300 students that I was working with Jeez. at that time. I mean, I was an RA for about two years in case I didn't say that. When I was done doing RA work, I started getting into photography because it was really just, it was more just for fun. Um, I had a part-time job at the time as a sales associate at a local store in my college town. And this was also around the time that I was getting married. Uh, I was still in college as well. So I didn't have a time to do a whole lot. I just picked up photography as like a hobby right. and I just wanted to do it more like for fun, like for Instagram. Um, but anyways, anyone who knows my story knows that near the end of my last year in college is when photography really like took a sharp turn and took off really unexpectedly. So right. I quit my other part-time job and then I had to make the decision of whether or not to actually pursue photography all in, which of course I did, which is where we are now. So anyways, you, your turn, Ayla. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. So I've had quite a few jobs over the years, so I'll try to zoom through this and make the most sense that I can. Yeah. So my first job I got after graduating high school in 2015, I worked at the cutest little local market. It was like this tiny little market in a lake town, mm -hmm. so it just had like your bare bones essentials. And I just did bagging, stocking, like freight work, kind of warehouse work. That was my first job is just a summer job. So right after that, I got a job at a local coffee shop just before starting college. And I did both this job and college for three years alongside each other. Mm. And at this time, I went to community college for art. And then I majored in art and psychology. And I graduated I graduated that in 2018. And uh, I quit that coffee shop and then worked for my dad, who's an electrician. So he and I did electrical work together. I worked for him for a couple months before going to New Zealand. Then I was abroad in New Zealand for six months. Then I came home uh, for about four-ish months and continued to work for my dad. And I did a lot of odd jobs. So I was doing electrical work right. with my dad, babysitting, kind of odd jobs like house cleaning and yard work for people. Right. And then I left and I was abroad again for about six months in Australia, came home from that, got <laughs> married to Chris, and then got a job at a different local coffee shop. And I was here for the next uh, two-ish years, 2019 to 2021. Right. I launched Ayla B Edits mid-2021, around the summer of that time. And in these couple of years, like 2020 to 2021, I was going back and forth to Canada a lot. Right. And Chris was a painter at the time, was a residential painter, and we were good friends with his boss. And I would just be kind of bored when he would go to work, like, because mm -hmm. I couldn't work in Canada yet. So I would be at, at home board so I just volunteered to like work for him in his painting company <laughs> that's awesome so just like not for pay or anything just for fun I did residential painting for a little while <laughs> uh which is crazy no one does that for fun but apparently <laughs> I did and then when I moved to Canada and got residency I worked at a another coffee shop for like eight-ish months and got to um, manage this shop for a little mm -hmm. period of time which was fun and I was doing editing alongside it 
And then I got a job in, let's see, around August of 2022 with a more corporate coffee roasting company. And I was there for five-ish months. I quit in December 2022. And then since then, I have been working on Ayla Edits full-time. Woohoo! Oh my gosh, you were really doing quite a few things before starting your editing business. So (laughs) then I guess I'll ask what made you kind of transition from working customer service to working for yourself in more of like an office situation, especially because that's so different. Right. So I suppose first off, I've always wanted to start a business. Uh, Mm -hmm. I actually, quote unquote, started a business when I was like nine and I did pet sitting for people. It was Ayla's pet sitting. And my dad, you know, started his electrical business. So he kind of knew about that. So he helped me like make business cards. He helped me make client calls. Like he he helped me like run this business and drove me to people's houses to, you know, walk their dogs or whatever. Mm -hmm. I actually did that all through high school and college. I did pet sitting and house sitting, which is a lot of fun. But But uh, when I was getting ready to move to Canada, I knew I was going to need or at least want some kind of second source of income along with a day job. So I started looking for something I could do on the side. I've never really been an office job person. Like I was pretty open with what to find, but wasn't sure if I would like an office position. Uh, So I was looking through all the side hustle things that there are on Instagram, Pinterest, and I stumbled across photo editing. Mm -hmm. So once I verified the program that I took my course with was legit and something that I could do, I jumped right in. And fun fact, Chris and I, we were actually in like a quarantine because of going back and forth in the States and Canada and the times we did it. We spent a lot of time in in like two week quarantine. (laughs) So we ended up in one. So I was like, and I had the course in the back of my mind and I was like, well, now I have the time to do this. Like I have two weeks just being at home. So that's where I took the bulk of the course. And then very quickly after starting my business, I learned that I didn't just want it to be a side hustle. I practiced, I got good at the editing process, and I just loved it more and more. I got some of my first few long-term clients who I still have today, and I was just like, I love this. I love these clients. So the goal after that was always to go full-time and to give my clients like a business experience, not just a side hustle experience. And also, to be honest, I was enjoying dual income. (laughs) Like I was enjoying (laughs) my day job and having this successful thing that was on the side, but I wanted it to start taking up more time. And like you said, I've mainly been working customer service and it has some cons that I'll get into so that I was trying to get away from. So, yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. That's a great reason to enjoy it. And then also to want to give your clients a better experience. Oh, totally. They're my favorites. So how did that work as well with you and your photography? Because I know you were doing school when you started your business. So how did that transition kind of work? Right. Yeah. I just really loved photography for fun. Like I was kind of saying earlier, I just wanted to take better Instagram pictures, to be honest, um, because that was enjoyable to me. So it was just my hobby. And I know that's how it starts with most people. Um, But I actually didn't start with a beginner camera. This is seems random, but I think it's actually a big reason that it took off so fast. Um, A lot of people like to start with like a beginner camera, but I went right off the bat and I got a super nice one. I actually got the one that I had for the Mm -hmm. next like three years that I did all my weddings with. Um, so I got myself a little bit over in over my head from the start, but I enjoyed it. And so in between classes, I would just take photos of all kinds of mostly like people and stuff. And I ended up having a classmate that had a business clothing store 
like a little like side like clothing line that she like sold and she wanted me to take photos for her and then I had other classmates who wanted like grad photos so the list goes on and within a year or so I was pretty busy part-time with that so like I said earlier I quit my other part-time job um, because this was bringing in enough money to just feel like a part-time job and then I wasn't so busy doing two Um, but it was also eating up a ton of time and then also also in the years leading up to this I did a lot of photo shoots with Chad I don't know if you remember that um, or anybody who knows me yeah yeah knows that I, I really loved that. Like I would often ask for photo shoots as like Christmas gifts or birthday gifts instead of like physical gifts from, from Chad. So because of that, I already followed a ton of photographers on Instagram, already had a pretty good learning base with that. So I had already been balancing like, you know, school and jobs for years. So it was not hard to balance um, just doing photography instead. But when graduation came, of course, I had to make a decision. Chad, of course, you know, after graduation went on and did something with his field accounting, but I wanted to pursue this and I'm really grateful that he like supported that. So I like to say it checked more of my boxes than the health field did because I can always go back to pursuing a career in like the medical field if I want to, but this job allows me to travel. I make my own schedule. I can scale my income to levels that don't depend on anyone else Yeah, and I can take time off when needed, you know, and I can also be fully present as like a homemaker at the same time. So it really just checked almost all of my boxes. I mean, it didn't check the, uh, some of the other interests I have, but at the time being, it kind of checks every box that I needed it to check. I, I love that. I remember when you were telling me about like your, your crossroads between like school or pursuing this and I'm people learn as we continue this podcast, I'm a big advocate for like, you don't always need to go to school. And like, if you want to, and you want the career that comes out of that, absolutely. But I just, I remember you making this choice and it's just been so cool to see your business like blossom because of that. Uh, but you still have your interest in like health and stuff. So you can definitely still have all those interests. And like you said, school's there. Like it's always, it definitely always always shocks people when they're just like, oh, you're not doing something with like what you went to school for. Like they're, they're always just like, oh, they don't, you know, that always shocks people, especially uh, some family members who were not big fans of that. So, which I never understood. I was always just kind of like, well, if what you're doing works, like why does it matter if you don't use your degree or if you don't, you know, like continue with like further education it so but yeah, yeah. anyway no, I, did, I didn't use my degrees and like right? again could have continued in school but I just I didn't like it anymore I was like this won't be right. fun if I keep doing right. it so yeah no right, totally right. more common than uh than you'd think exactly so no shame if you're listening and you're trying to figure out like oh I want to do you know xyz but I don't want to not use my degree or I don't want to quit school like just make just sure that it can actually no, <laughs> it was like be done no but it's lo- you have to make sure first make make a wise decision you know be logical yes. about it but if it's something that you know you won't lose motivation for and if it's something that will bring in the right amount of income and will be steady especially if you have someone who can support you whether that's financially in the beginning or just emotionally then go for it you don't have to have something that follows your degree Anyways, right. I think that's, a, now, that's what a great topic, <laughs> right? Maybe we'll do an episode about that too. Just encouraging you guys to transition out of like what society tells you you need to do into what you actually want to do. Um, there's right. also some great books. If you remember our last episode before this, if you were listening last week, we did a book haul and uh, Ayla and I have some books that are very encouraging for people who want to go away from like the nine to five space and into the entrepreneurial space. So we'll do another book right. haul in the future and we can suggest some of those to you guys. Anyways, now we're going to get into the tea. Mm. (laughs) Ayla, you said you had some work stories that also pushed you into solo entrepreneurship. So what did some of those look like? Spill the beans. I'm ready for it. So (laughs) I'll just sum up some 
I call them funny stories because I can laugh at it now because it's just anyone who's like you would understand anyone who's worked in the customer service space will hear these and be like, oh, yeah, like super calm and just like silly, silly, goofy things that happened. And then I'll kind of finish this off into there was like a catalyst kind of peak moment where I really jumped into my business full time. So silly stories then i'll finish off with that and again i'll preface this by saying i'm talking about multiple companies i've worked for in these stories there's no single business i'm Mm -hmm. talking about and if you're someone who knows me in real life and thinks you might know the business i'm talking about it's probably not (laughs) it's probably not because i've because i've had many and i'll also just say like as you heard i worked in multiple coffee shops and i'll explain why later like i just keep coming back to that so don't feel like you have to keep track of which one's which like i'm talking about multiple here except there's one that i worked at from 2019 to 2021 and they are not on the list because they're angels and neither is working for my dad (laughs) so (laughs) obviously that was fine it was just working for my dad so anyway uh let's see there was one place where i worked uh this was i guess one of the bigger not bad boss, but just weird things that was going on. We were not being given full breaks. And anyone who knows me knows I like my work. I'm a mm. bit of a workaholic. Like, yeah. uh, I don't need super long breaks or anything like that. But this place was eight to nine hour shifts with one 15 oh. minute break. Oh. And at that time in California, and I think this is still the case, if you work an eight hour shift, you get yeah. a 15 uh, a paid 15 and unpaid 30 and then an optional paid 15 again right. which is fine even the like I said even half an hour breaks were kind of long for me because I like my work but that's fine I would take them but this place right. their reasoning was if you get one 15 minute break it's paid so you get your full eight hour shift there's not a 30 minutes that's like unpaid on your timesheet so you get paid for the whole time so that's kind of why we all agreed to it mm. and but the kicker was sometimes you get called off that 15 or if it was busy you wouldn't even be allowed to take it and this oh. was a very touristy spot where I worked and it was in California and summers happened and summers were really busy so sometimes yeah. it'd be eight hours in the summer without any break like without sitting down at oh all and the other kicker was the owners wanted to save money by not running the AC no and i don't even know if this is real or not but if we were working register we couldn't have like a bottle of water up there with us for sanitary issues like uh, for a food service thing like you can't have an open contain like your drinks kind of have to be in a separated space nobody does it but like your drinks have to kind of if a health inspector were to come in they'd want to see that your drinks like aren't around the food or whatever so there's certain days where it's eight hour shifts no sitting for breaks, no AC, and no water alongside of you. And I was pretty spicy. And one day I was like, okay, you're going to have to cave on one of these things unless you want me to simply pass away. <laughs> like, Oh my God, for real. Yeah, what? I think That's I think wild. if the owners weren't there, I would turn the AC on. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're good. not. Good. Honestly, good. Yes. Because it would get around you. 100 degrees where we lived. Like, yeah. So that yeah. was one that was silly. I was once told that I had to be willing to fill in for someone on a day off. Like it was my day off and it was Sunday mm-hmm. and there was a time where I wasn't the best on this, but I'm very strict about taking Sundays off. That is my day yes. with the Lord. That is the day for church. No job is more important than that, yeah. but I would do it now and again. So there was one Sunday and I think it was around Easter or something. And my mom was doing kids ministry for our church. So like the kids Easter program was going on and I was oh. like, I want to go see that. Like my mom yeah. works so hard on those. I want to go see. Yeah. And I was like putting my shoes on, walking out to my car to go to church and I get a call 
and a coworker had showed up to work, but she was sick and needed to go home. And at that place, if you got sick and called in sick, it was your job to find your replacement. So you had to call oh. all the other employees okay. and find a cover. And if you couldn't do it, you had to show up. Unless you were like Gosh. puking, you still had to show up. So she calls me and is like, I'm super sick. Can you show up? And I was like, I'm sorry, any other day I would. I am like headed to church right now. Right. And she was like, do you need to be at church today? And I was like, <gasps> yeah, like my mom's doing something. And you don't even have to justify it, but I well, was. And I was like, no, my mom's doing something. Like, I really want to be there. And she was like, okay, well, just so you know, we're a team. We're supposed to help each other. And if you want to be here and if you care about this job, you should be willing. You should be willing to be, like, basically on call on your days off. And you you should be expecting this. And I was like, I don't think that's real. Like, I don't think I'm being paid for that. Um, Are you paying me, like, an on-call doctor salary? Was this the boss or the coworker? This was the coworker, but the coworker had kind of been there for a very long time. So sometimes had. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes had boss like tendencies. I'll just it's say interesting. Yeah, and that was that was what? like I was pretty new to that one and pretty new to the workforce in general. But I was like, I don't think that's real. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm on <laughs> call. Fact check. No. Yeah. Was oh that? And then the last funnier story I'll wrap up with is a customer story. So not a coworker boss one, but a customer one. And I have these oh, for days. But it's always fun. this was like the craziest yeah. one. Uh, the this group, this family came in. They were European of some sort. I can't figure out if they were like French or Italian or something. Like I couldn't quite pick it up at the time. Um, who came in? And I have a feeling that sometimes in foreign countries, if they're reading like travel blogs about like traveling to the U.S., what should you do? Some of it's like taking advantage of the U.S.'s super extra customer service and saying like, oh, if you insist something was made wrong, they'll give it to you for free or they'll give you a gift card or they'll give you this because that's how a lot of restaurants handle things. It's like your meal's comped or you get a gift card or, or whatever. So they came in, ordered all their food and then insisted we didn't give them a plate. And so they asked to see the receipt and we pull up our ticket and I'm trying to, and there's a language barrier, by the way. And my shift started at 8 a.m. And this was at like (laughs) 8.05. This person is like, you, you didn't give us a plate. So we check the receipt and we check our tab, like our ticket, and we match all the items. And we're like, we're like, all of these match. We don't see where this missed plate is. And they were like, my daughter over there, like, she didn't get a plate. You're stealing from us. Like, you're stealing. And we were like, we're not, like, ma'am, we're not stealing all the items on our ticket. The kitchen, like, there's seven plates. The kitchen handed seven plates out to you. I'm sorry, we can make a plate for you, but you'll have to pay for it because we are not seeing like a missing plate and they're still like my daughter's without food you're stealing you're stealing this goes on for so long like I don't even remember all the details because it was like a while ago but it goes on for so long and we look over their table and there's a bunch of people with full plates and there's one empty one like pushed to the side that they're literally hiding so that they can say that we that like they made some kid eat quickly and then hit it so they could get like another plate i'm 99 percent sure that's what happened so eventually i go to the kitchen and i was like make them another plate like i don't care it's a ten dollar plate i don't care if they pay or not like just just make them another and she's continuing to scream continuing to say that like you're stealing you're stealing like you're lying to me blah 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 look at my receipt again for like the 20th time so the kitchen makes her plate and I give it to her and I'm like, here you go. There's your plate. And she goes, oh, okay, thank you. Oh my God. And goes and sits <gasps> down. 
And I was like, and I go around to where like customers can't see me and just like start to cry. And my boss actually stood up for me in that moment. And she was like, forget her, forget her. You did the right thing. Like go sit down, regroup yourself. But like, that was like, I'm lucky that's only happened to me a time or two is like an actual escalation of a situation. But like kind of multiple, if you can picture, there's multiple times like that where it's just like the customer either wants something for free or wants to insist you did something wrong for gift card that happens like kind of commonly but yeah those are my main silly stories (laughs) that is so crazy no those are crazy I definitely remember some of those things um, but not all of them definitely like bad all around I think I would say I'm pretty lucky I haven't had to deal with a lot of like bad job experiences there were some times working at the thrift store um, the at least the first location that I worked in, because they had two stores, like I said, but the first location um, was kind of in a little bit of a sketchier area in regards to like that town that I was in. Um, And there would sometimes be like, you know, troublemakers that would come in. There was one time where I got to work and my boss warned me. She was like, so um, if you see any kids come in and they don't have adults with them, you need to kick them out immediately. Don't let them into the store. And I was like, what the heck? Why? And they're like, because they've been doing this thing where they come in, run around making a distraction. Someone flips off, flips off the lights and then they come and rob the cash register. Ooh. And I was like, oh my gosh, That's I was so scared terrifying. the whole day of children. I like anytime I saw a child, I was like, where's your parent? <laughs> and then there was like, so it's stories like that. And there was, um, there was a, a couple people who would come in sometimes really like high on drugs or really drunk mm-hmm. and having to kick them out as like a young kid was always hard. Like yeah. being like 16, 17 and being like, how do I handle this adult man who He's like absolutely flipping out and I have to kick him out, but I'm just like a kid. Obviously at that location, I had like a manager who would come and help as well, but we were all like women. So it was always a little bit sketchy, but, um, so those experiences, nothing bad about the job though. The bosses were always angels and, you know, the work environment other than that, it was amazing. So lucky enough to not have to deal with a lot of bad job experiences. Um, I did. Uh, Yeah, I ended up leaving the RA job because it went under new management and like they changed the entire job description. Hmm. They were going to try to have us work another job. Like there was a mail room at the the university housing and they were going to have us work there and not pay. So we were supposed to work two times a week there in the mail room being like mail workers and they weren't going to pay us at all. Mm -hmm. So there was stuff like that that was just like, oh yeah, that's not happening. So, but again, overall really lucky to have like, yeah, but yeah, so some final straws at the end, but right. you know, nothing nothing crazy. Right. That's good. That's always like super good. Bosses make like such a difference. Even if the job isn't that yeah. great, like the painting job that I took for free, residential house painting is not yeah. fun. Like it's not something I would do, right. but we we're good friends with the boss. And because he wasn't paying me once a week or so, we'd go out to lunch or something like that. And it was just like so fun to be around anyway. And that's like a job that's not fun at all that I did for free, but because the environment was fun, whereas there can be a job that's like your dream, everything looks good, but if the environment is toxic, not in a way to throw that around, but actually horrible, Mm -hmm. it's like not worth it. And that's kind of, oh, sorry, you go ahead. Oh, no, it was just saying that actually kind of reminded me, I wasn't originally going to say this, but speaking of a toxic environment, Mm -hmm. like it's interesting because sometimes, you know, we like stick ourselves in those toxic environments and choose to stay. And it's always interesting looking back and thinking like, why? Like the RA job, like I said, there wasn't anything that crazy. But one thing that was interesting about that was that 
and in a college, so it's kind of to be expected nowadays, but there were so many weird rules we had to follow that were very politicized. So, for mm-hmm. example, we weren't allowed to say, like, hey, guys. We weren't allowed to say Christmas. Oh, uh, we weren't, there was, like, so many, like, so much policing on our speech, which, again, it's modern colleges. We kind of expect that. But it was, like, a political battlefield in so many ways. We had to get students in trouble for wearing, like, a sombrero, even if they were Mexican. They had us get in trouble, <laughs> get a girl in trouble, and, like, write her up because she was wearing a sombrero on halloween and then we confronted her because we had to and she's like i'm mexican this is literally like my heritage and they're like no it doesn't matter she's in trouble oh, no. so it was just insane but i actually enjoyed it so just i think i was one of three of the ras out of like over 60 that actually had like the political and religious views that i had or even similar so it was very like i was very immersed in something that was so different than me and i actually kind of enjoyed as crazy as it was i kind of enjoyed being submerged into a community that was so different because it facilitated these amazing conversations about politics Mm -hmm. about religion um so i really actually enjoyed that i had some amazing conversations with like coworkers, um not with the residents of course but with coworkers. so it's definitely interesting looking back and going it was very toxic and a lot of ways but I kind of enjoyed that I enjoyed the toxicity right well that made us have good conversations but that's not normal for jobs I know. yeah but that's still a super good mindset to have like being somewhere so different not necessarily like being open to other opinions but hearing it discussing it in a way that's like mature yeah. that's fruitful I think that's something that yeah. this is a whole other thing but like is so lost in society these days like being yes. able to intensely disagree like you don't have to change your views at all but just yeah. like have these conversations defend yourself with people who are willing to do the same and not like just yell at you but actually yeah. have a conversation that that's yeah. super impressive I I think that's definitely a good thing lost. for sure yeah definitely lost art or a lost uh character yeah yeah and that kind of yeah the whole just environment thing kind of comes up to why I've been full-time in editing for a while so this is yeah like I said the final moment so it was the last job I worked prior to photo editing and it was the coffee roasting company that I mentioned and I'll start off by saying this place had immense promise I thought this is what I was going to want to do for like the next 10 years it had everything I love It just had opportunities to go deeper into an industry I already love. It had opportunities to like go international. I nailed the interview and got super gassed up by the owner. Like, I think you're going to be great. There's opportunity to grow. There's opportunity, like just was soaring the day I got this job. And then immediately day one, it was the most stressful work environment I've ever been in. And I don't mean to be like, oh, I had to work. Like I you know, I like hard work. I like learning new things. I like challenging myself and I usually can work very well under pressure, but it was just like, it was stressful beyond what it needed to be and very high expectation and like not in a good way. I was kind of gaslighting myself and saying like, I'm just being challenged. There is higher expectation because I'm being called to be better. I'm being called to grow, but it wasn't in a good way. It was like, there was no time to properly learn. The expectation Mm -hmm. was very much that you show up And you just know what to do. And I was very honest about my experience that I would be new to this, that it would be a learning curve, but I was completely willing to do it. And the owner insisted that like, oh yeah, we'll teach you. It'll all be fine. But then when I wasn't getting it right away, it was like, you need to rise up. Like I need better results. I need blah, blah, blah. Right. Within days. (gasps) Yeah. Just within days. I I came home from my first full day, like sobbing because I made this mistake with coffee roasting, which actually in that moment was handled fine. It was just like the stress of it all. But like immediately I was coming home just like sobbing. So, and then also out of full honesty, I wasn't 
doing very well with the job wise. Like there was mistakes that I was kind of continuing to make that shouldn't have been made. I won't just say like everything right. else sucked. Like I, I wasn't always doing my very best at it, but I do right. have a theory that the company had such high turnover that they wouldn't fire me. Cause some days I'd make this mistake again, I'd get lectured for it. And I was like, can you just please fire me? <laughs> you know? Oh, and I also wow. have a theory that oh like, gosh. while I'm taking responsibility for the stuff I couldn't do perfectly, how are you supposed to like perform well in a highly stressful environment where you're like shaking no. going in there? Like, of course you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. So that was yeah. kind of the whole thing. Each mistake I made was a whole lecture. And like, I had to explain what my mistake was, why it'll never happen again, what actions I'll take wow. to never do it again. And on paper, I don't mind that structure. Like you've made, I do that in my own business. A mistake's been made. What was it? How can I not do it again? I don't disagree with that, but it was it was just like it was every single little thing I had to stand there and repeat it. And somebody else got hired in this time, and oh I was watching gosh. them do the same thing. And I was like, "This isn't this isn't it." Uh, I was asked to bring the company who phone home in order to take calls after my shift was over, oh. only till a certain time in the day, not like all day. But my shift would end earlier. The company would close later. So I had to take the company phone home in order to take calls. And to be fair, the company would compensate me if I were to take a longer call after my shift. They were like, put that on your time card. But I just do not like the principle of taking work home with me. And I should have communicated that no. I was uncomfortable with that. Unless I'm the business owner, work does not come home with me. Yes, if, and and I had explained to this, this owner that I love business owning and I would love to own a brick and mortar like either coffee shop or home goods shop. I would love to continue right. business owning. So she said she was setting me up for success in that and business mm. owners have to take work home with them and business owners like never really get a break. So if you're expecting to be a business owner, this is how it's going right. to be. But I should have just been like, but I'm not the business owner yet. But I'm your employee, exactly. <laughs> you know, because I, yeah. So and you're not, yeah. The final straw was a week where it was in the same week. I was called twice after my shift, like hours after, around dinner time, like 5 or 6 p.m., and quite literally yelled at. Yeah. And the second time it happened, Chris could hear what was happening. He was walking by our bedroom as I was on this long 45-minute call at 6 o'clock at night. Gosh. About a very quite minor mistake that had happened. I wouldn't even qualify oh it as a mistake. Gosh. But anyway... Chris could walk by and hear this voice coming out of the phone and then I hung up the call came out and was just like crying again and Chris was like you're done you are done no. put in your notice you're done yeah. there yeah. and then I should also mention not to like harp on this story I'm chilling now I'm fine I'm just giving context as to why I quit it for weeks at that point yeah. I hadn't been able to eat in the morning I wasn't sleeping well I wasn't oh. eating very much dinner and even like two occasions I was throwing up before going to work and oh I do gosh. have anxious tendencies oh. sometimes, so I chalked it up to that, like, oh, I'm just in a season of heavy anxiety. But after getting out of that situation, I would realize mm -hmm. I was just gaslighting myself. Like, I'm I'm not incompetent because of anxiety. I don't have anxiety. Yeah. I'm not, like, mentally weak. Like, I'm a fully capable person, and this was just an awful work environment. <laughs> like, I got out of yeah. it and realized, like, I'm fine, actually. <laughs> I so I, I gave a notice there in October what? of 2022 and worked there till December because the owner asked me to and I'm too nice and was treated oh even gosh. worse during that time because now there was knowledge I was I was quitting. I asked a question clarifying wow. something and I was told it was a stupid question and it was a waste of time to even be asking that <gasps> question. And I was like, okay. 
And then the owner told me I won't ever be able to run my own business, <laughs> even though I ran one, literally owned and ran a business because yeah. like, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, you have so much more grace than me because in those moments I'm like, I would be like, guess what? <laughs> like, so yeah, shows like, what you know. Yeah, like, how are you going to run a coffee shop if you can't handle stress? And I just, I didn't need to defend oh, myself. I was just like, I don't so know, bad. maybe I won't. You know, I was like, you're, I don't need to no. explain myself to you. I want to march in there because I, for those who are, who don't know, obviously, I guess no one who's listening would know, but I, right. I knew some of this, um, not all of it, but some of it, of course, because we're best friends. And like when you were telling me a little bit of this the first time, I was like, where's my plane ticket? I'm going to march in yeah. there and let me have a talk with this person, please. I told my mom this story a couple of months back because she, they were in California and like, I just didn't really call to tell her much of what was going on. And then when I visited her. And then Beth and Ayla proceeded to talk about the same topic for 20 minutes and then respectfully moved on. So obviously <laughs> I was quitting and immediately I hopped in the process of quitting this job. I immediately hopped online to search for another full-time job just to keep doing what I'd been doing, working a day job and editing on the side. And this right. is where... Chris, my husband, swooped in mm. and saved the day and was my hero because he was the one who suggested I just pour into my business. Like yes. I immediately went on Indeed and like went to look for jobs. And he was like, just yeah. don't. Like yeah. take a minute, take a breather. You have your business. Basically, the previous year to that, I was able to make somewhat decent money in it without my full 100% into it. So right. he was like, just pour into your business something you love, take a break from being an employee, up your marketing, see how many new clients you get, see if your business yep. is something that you can do. And and not to sound like so soft here either, but I like needed to kind of heal and recalibrate Absolutely. my direction and not just take job after job that I obviously haven't always been very happy at. So went and left my key at that place, went and had a lovely Christmas holiday with my Canadian family and just took some time, got some like fresh new direction for 2023. And that decision was to work fully for myself. So that started in January, kind of up to this point where we're at yeah. now, which was so needed. Like it was so, it was so 100% needed. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. No, I don't, that's not soft at all. Like you definitely need to recover from something like that, especially so you don't just like have a foggy mind when you're jumping into a new job and then maybe your right. standards are lower or you're not as aware or alert to other potential red flags. So I'm so glad Chris just swooped in and was like, no, I'm yeah. going to take care of you. Do not let yourself get uh, oh more gosh, stressed. Yeah. That's wild. Wow. It's kind of fun reflecting on this stuff, but also like so hard because you just get angry all over <laughs> again. I know. <laughs> oh, I'm look. fine. I... <laughs> We're fine. It's all we are fine. fine. Exactly. Well, and this, I think really we're doing this so that people can one, learn red flags because when anybody has mm -hmm. a bad experience and they look back, hindsight is twenty twenty. So if you're listening, we want you to be able to go, okay, that's a red flag. That's something that you don't have to compromise on. This is a standard you can have for yourself. So, you know, and then in my business, I really only have like one bad client story. And um, to be fair, I brought it on myself because I was still a newbie at the time, but I'll share it. And that way, anybody who's new to photography 
can learn from yeah, me because there were a lot of lessons to be learned from this particular this particular story. So I think it was about, gosh, it was about five or more years ago now. I think um, a, a client had reached out to me wanting to book me for a wedding and an engagement shoot. And again, I hadn't done a ton of weddings at the time. I was really trying to do this full time. So I was just trying to take anything. And there were a couple of little red flags, which I will get into, but I totally dismissed them because I was desperate for clients. It's been a while. Right. So I'm trying to remember the timeline, but we went back and forth getting the booking secured either by email or Instagram DMs. We had a date on the calendar, but then she canceled like three times three schedule for her engagement oh. shoot. The last time was because her and her fiance were in a car accident. He was in the hospital. So definitely a really like real reason. So right. no, nothing wrong with that. But right before all that rescheduling had happened, or maybe it was during it again, it's been so long. I kind of forget with the timeline, but um, they had wanted to meet in person before booking, which was fine. We met in person, but she brought like five family members with her. And then she informed me that she wouldn't be paying me, but instead a family member would who was there. Um, which I said was fine, but I needed to work out the payment details and get their email and get them like on the payment plan like ASAP to get like their deposit, which I did not have yet at the time, which is very unwise. The family member said that they refused to do online payments. They all needed to be cash in person, not even PayPal or anything. And against my better judgment, I agreed but again, felt really not okay with that, but whatever. Again, I was desperate for clients, but I also said I wouldn't be able to do the engagement session until we had the deposit on the books. So yeah. a few days later, and after a couple of like text, text messages back and forth, trying to like figure out when I could meet with this family member, um, I finally met with a family member who showed up without the full payment for the deposit. And oh mind gosh. you, this was a very small deposit. Um, and I was yeah. upset, but I took it anyways. But I had to tell them, I said, I need the full amount of the deposit before I do the engagement shoot because it's out of town. So I literally need the money for gas to do this engagement session. Um, yeah. So, and by the way, yes, this whole story is basically me ignoring a bunch of flags. So just, just, yes, just so you know, don't be listening to this be like, how dumb are you? I get it. Okay. That's the whole point of the story. Um, uh, so I think, I think a lot of people when they start out, it's just like, this must be normal. And then they get into the oh, game. God. I I've been the same. Like, I think that's right. super that's or super you think, common. Yeah. And then you look yeah. back and you're like, you child. <laughs> right. Or you think it's not actually going to be a big deal. Another, well, another note that isn't necessarily a red flag because there can be, this can be happening for a lot of reasons. So I'm not trying to judge, but it was a red flag in the beginning for me. But there was this bride who reached out, had a very incoherent writing in her mm. communication with me not just like typos but the most difficult to understand sentences ever I mean the grammar was off typos everywhere it was like almost impossible to understand what she was trying to say right. and it was just it, very it, very difficult but in person her grammar was not like that at all so um anyways but communication with her was so hard so that was the very first thing when she reached out I was like what is all like and the typos didn't stop and I was like what is this but again that was the first red flag that I really ignored okay so fast mm -hmm. forward I did the engagement session and it actually went well. The three of us got along, but I was still short on the deposit payment. They hadn't fully given it to me yet. I still went and ahead and did it. This is just the deposit. This you is the deposit that was that supposed you're to cover. That you're already doing. Yes. Yeah. I'm already, I had already driven. Oh, it can, oh, don't. Oh, you just wait. So finally, after the engagement session, but before I had delivered the rest of the images, I met with a family member. They gave me the rest of the deposit. And when I say small deposit, I mean, it was like, $60, I think, or like $160. It was atrociously small. And this was covering yeah, an engagement session and saving a date for a wedding. 
and all the stuff in between anyways so the wedding was supposed to be like six months later and they actually did change the date of their wedding once i think um and of course there was some communication with the bride but and i delivered sneak peek so stuff like that you know kind of emailing back and forth over time but a little bit of dead a dead air in that time as well. Uh, I checked in a couple times to see if she needed my help. Uh, usually very short responses, you know, saying she was good, she didn't need any help, or just no responses at all. But I did hear from her throughout that time. So the wedding was out of town for me. It was about a four-hour drive away. So I booked a rental car for that, booked a hotel for the night, you know, and then I left. I planned to leave like a day or two early to give myself a buffer like I always do. Right. The week leading up to the wedding, I messaged her to get the final details like a shot list, a timeline, get the venue address, address, which no, I did not have the address, by the way. <laughs> I knew the town, but not the venue. I knew it was going to be like a beach, but I didn't know. It was- Anyways, so. I didn't hear from the bride that week. Um, I just assumed she was really busy because she was, you know, still active on social media, like on Facebook. But anyways, Mm. I just didn't think much of it. Two days before the wedding and I start to worry, but I still go ahead and I leave town. Uh, One day before the wedding, I message her on every platform, which I had already kind of been doing, but I did like at the same time, I did everything. I called her, emailed her, texted her, DM'd, PM'd, everything. I left her a voicemail. Like I tried literally everything and it was dead silence, nothing. Still being an optimist or just stupid, I don't know. Um, I, I would like think maybe she'll just get back to me in the morning. But at this point, I'm literally in my hotel. Yeah, you're laughing. I'm literally in my hotel, out of town, just sitting, just waiting, just waiting. Um, so I woke up on the wedding, literally just sitting. I just sat there and I was like, it's fine. It'll be fine. I woke up on the wedding day to nothing from her. I was legitimately panicking. I sent her a message literally saying, I'm here. Like, if you need me, just tell me where to go and I'll be there. Like, I'll show up. I was thinking like, should I drive around to all the beaches and see if I can find anyone doing a wedding? Like, I didn't know what to do. So never heard from her. No, that sounds so scary. To to make this worse too, it was actually my birthday. Not Bethany. Like, it was hilarious. I was like, I'll work on my birthday, but it'll be worth it because I'm so excited. It's a wedding at the beach. Like, I'm so excited. It's like a birthday gift to me. Yeah, just, just because this story can't get worse, right? So anyways, never end up hearing from her. Ended up spending the day in town at the beach because I was just in case. Not doing anything fun because I needed to make sure that I could go at a moment's notice. So I just kind of sat around town just waiting. Um, then I drove home. So I actually heard from her a week later with one text on one platform and it literally just said the words, sorry, we postponed the wedding. What? I was livid. And so it was safe to say I was so mad and now like $500 poorer and because their original deposit was like 160 bucks, which was supposed to cover the wedding and the engagement, all the travel, my hotel rental car did not cover obviously any of that. Um, so basically I sent her a long mess message, very respectful, probably too respectful, um, outlining like what had happened and telling her like what I just like went through just on like simple terms, not emotional stuff, just saying like, Oh, I, I paid for this hotel on this one. And I was there for these dates. And so I told her what would have to happen in the future, which would be a a contract signed and a large chunk of money to cover the retainer up front. If she wanted me to still be her photographer. And I, and she proceeded to list like a thousand excuses, which was her, I didn't mention this, but this was kind of like her MO at this point. I knew her Mm. well enough through our previous interactions. Anytime something happened, she had some excuse and it was always something that like had to do with somebody else, except for the car accident. That one was legitimate of course um like but yeah. she had like excuses about what her friends were going through but no real reason why she couldn't have picked up the phone to tell no. me don't come our wedding isn't happening so yeah. anyway she said she still wanted even to hire if you're me sobbing but- even if something happened oh, like yes I- 
Yeah. It could be one text saying, don't come. I don't even care. Like you'll give me the explanation later, but whatever. I mean, again, this was very like, this was not out of character for this individual. Right. But, um, she said she still wanted to hire me, but after talking more and kind of hearing her excuses, I realized I would probably never get the deposit from her. So I just had to tell her that in order to protect my business, I was going to have to decline her as a client. And I felt so bad. That was so hard because after all those months, I kind of grew to to care about her a little bit as a person, you know, of course. And I felt bad that she was having a string of bad luck. I really did. But this was like, just not something that I could do. I felt very unsafe for my business in that. And I just knew I was never going to get, I was going to keep giving away dates that I needed for other people and rescheduling and potentially spending more money. So never got, never got more money from her. That was about a 500, $600, $700 mistake (laughs) and very hard to turn her down. And I, by the way, I still, I, I don't think she's gotten married. She keeps saying that she will and she still has not. Oh, no. And it's oh been gosh. five years. So I'm very glad that I, I'm so <laughs> glad. You'd, you'd that be waiting five years yeah. later for that hundred. I'm like, I'm not going to honor. <laughs> right. I'm so glad I didn't sign a contract with this person. Anyways. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think that's that. what any regular person would do as far as declining as a client. And it's it's so hard, but that's not right. really unnormal, especially like now, five years later, you can say like, I have a contract, I have clauses. Right. And I know you've explained, and yeah, again, this could be a whole thing, but you've explained, I will not show up without a deposit. Yep. I won't show up without actually full payment, right? Like right. you, there's well, nothing left up to the day of. And that exactly. that might sound stingy, but it comes from Mm-mm. stuff that happens. Exactly. I'm very strict with my contract and with my business rules. Now, even if you're a personal friend, you're going to go through and sign the contract. You're going to go through my, my contact form. We're going to have an email set up. Everything is going to be very official because this is the most extreme example I have. There are a couple of other smaller things with people that I knew that I kind of like was uh, lenient on. And I was like, Oh, I kind of got screwed there a little bit. So this is why it's like this. And to anybody who's a new business owner, I don't care if you've been doing your business for one day, have it set up the right way. Have your contracts, have online payments, automatic payments, whatever. Just don't, don't make exceptions for anybody, even friends and family. Yeah. Like you're absolutely worth that. Cause I understand when people are starting out, they might be like, well, I'll just, it'll be loose and I'll figure it out because I'm new or whatever. It's like, no, just there's so many resources right. on how to protect yourself. And like, if you want to be yeah. a professional, you act like a professional, even if you don't believe yes. that about yourself. That was me jumping into editing. And I was like, I'm a professional private photo editor without like any yeah. clients yet. And you have to just kind of like jump in and be that. I started out with a contract, like all that stuff. Yeah. A legitimate client. So <laughs> fun stuff. <laughs> So that does kind of bring us up to speed now. At this point, Beth has been a full-time photographer for a few years. I've been editing full-time like nothing else on my plate for about five-ish months with running my business for almost three years total. Right. Yeah. And so all kinds of stories and things that happen along the way. And while solo entrepreneurship can be a lot, it's And it's definitely like not the easy route for a lot of reasons. The freedom I found in like being my own boss is insane. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I agree. I don't know if I could go back to just any normal nine to five after owning my business for so long. I kind of wonder sometimes, you know, I go back and forth on that, but on whether or not I'd be able to, but it, it would definitely be difficult. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's completely real part when people say about being your own boss. It doesn't mean that it's like, I just work from 10 to 2. Like, you know, there is the whole joke of like, you left your 9 to 5 to work 24 7. 24 7. There's pros and cons in whatever you take. But I think the last few months of just like having such freedom has been has just been amazing and I've also found that if I do make a mistake it's a learning opportunity and it's on me sometimes I like have to deliver a gallery a day or two later than I wanted to or I have a miscommunication with a client and it's on me I can discipline myself on it it's not some voice above me being like you suck (laughs) you know there's more motivation to like fix these things yeah and more just as well because it's your business yeah and more like self responsibility like You and I, at least, are pretty self-disciplined. And if there's something not running perfectly in our business, I feel like we have the motivation to be like, okay, how can we make this this better? But so overall, I suppose that brings me to kind of like my little life update. And it feels so weird to be like taking up space on the podcast to do so. But like I haven't announced this on any socials or anything. And I just – I really like the topic around it. So – And there's like a full point to make with it. So I will. So like I said, I've been working on my business full time. And in that time, it's been great because I've, of course, been able to give my clients more of my time, just uh, more direct communication, more checking in with them. I did a website rebrand. We started the podcast. And I honestly just felt rejuvenated enough to shift my focus back onto taking care of Chris and our home. Because again, when I was working this really stressful job, I was also a lot of stuff was hitting the fan right around fall too. So I was also like editing Mm, all these things. And so Chris was actually doing a lot of like the house cleaning and cooking. And I was like, thank you. And not like there's a problem with that. If that's how it works in your household, that's good. But I was really feeling like I wanted to sew into our household a bit more. So that's been nice. Yeah, just being more present in the home. So after about four months of just working on my business, I looked back at the last couple of months to see if I was still going in a good direction. So keeping with everything I just shared in mind about wanting to put full effort into my business, continue to expand the business, be my own boss, I have decided to pick up a part-time job. (laughs) (laughs) And I will explain. About two-ish weeks ago, uh, let's see, this episode, yeah, two-ish weeks ago, I started working part-time again, and it's at no surprise, a coffee shop, and it's been wonderful. It's been amazing, so I'll expand on why I keep doing that, but keeping a long story short, I am still editing full-time. My office hours are still pretty much full-time office hours. The reality is private photo editing is not large and expansive enough to take up eight to nine hours in my day during busy season absolutely busy season I'm at my desk early in the morning until dinner time if not like a bit later sometimes and that's fine I love busy season so I'm all good with that yeah and like then I'm actually getting paid for the eight to nine hours of my time but the reality is there's a slow season too which this year more than ever I feel like a few people are hearing like this year just got a little crazy it was an extended slow season which isn't my most favorite slow season is important but it doesn't need eight hours a day of my time especially after finishing up big projects like launching the podcast and launching my new website once that's done it's like okay I still have kind of hours in my day and I like to be a busy person I've always liked working with my hands, being on my feet, 
over an office job any day. And I've actually noticed my focus and productivity in my editing is much better when I'm able to get out of the house and expend some energy. Like I was finding whether I was working a day job and editing in the evening versus editing full time and having a full day, galleries are taking me the same amount of time to do. Mm. You'd think eight hours in a day to just do that would save you time, but it's they're actually getting edited in about the same amount of time. And honestly, Mm. I wanted to make more money. Chris and I can sustain ourselves just fine between his work and my editing, but we have aspirations to travel. We want to save up for a house and continue to just build for our future. So that's another reason I've started working again. It is still new, but it's been wonderful. It's been an amazing crew, really kind and compassionate employers. And everyone who works there says like they'll probably work there for the rest of their lives because the environment is so good. So so I'm working part time editing full time, which is nice because it's always been reversed. Usually I've been working full time editing part. So I think this is going to be the perfect balance of still like full time effort into the business. But I still get to get out of the house a few times a week and do another thing in my life that I really, really love. So yes. I love that. I'm so excited for you. And I think that is going to be a really good balance. And what a green flag for people who say that they love it so much they want to work there forever. That is probably the biggest green flag you can get. Yep. That's so good. And what a what a shift from your last from your last (laughs) place. I am so glad you had Chris there to help you shift your direction, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm excited you have something that's working for you now. I think we could really probably expand eventually on the topic of how to tell if it's like a toxic job environment and knowing when to quit we should probably we'll be keep your eyes out for another episode like that if you folks are interested for sure yeah and it's really it's kind of a bummer how management co-workers can really make or break a workspace like it would be nice to just like apply somewhere and be like this is what I'm gonna do but we're humans are compassionate people they're community people and it's best to have like it's best if the people who are around you daily are good to be around like that's that's not news or anything but sometimes we think we have to like put up with so much and then yeah like even in this place now I'll like maybe put something away in the wrong spot and I'll be like oh sorry I I know the correct spot where it goes now and everyone's like okay like it's not that big of a deal like it's fine and I was like wow but it's been good and like one this this is like kind of the point I want to drive with this story is one dynamic that I had rolling in my head when I first considered picking up part-time work again was people are going to think that I failed. People are going to think I couldn't do my business anymore and that I had to go back to a nine to five. Oh man, I understand that. That's such, and that's not the right like (laughs) dynamic to have going on in your head. That's a dynamic of being an entrepreneur though. I think especially in our creative niche is the possibility of others telling you, you can't do it or automatically thinking that you're fake or you're a failure just because you're an entrepreneur. There's that kind of, that like thought with that word. Um, or if you do any changes that you're, you're failing because you're not going with your original plan as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. And right. And it's not like It's not like you even have to listen to others, but it does happen. Like I was talking to Chris about it. Like I was scared to tell family and scared to tell friends that this was something I wanted to do. And I was like, they're going to think I failed. And he, again, my hero Mm -hmm. was just like, but you, you literally didn't fail. Like you didn't, (laughs) you still run your business. Like you're literally still doing it. Like I still run my business, my business full time. I still manage my website, my clients, my social media with my full energy, Like my clients are still my clients. I still run a successful 
business. Yeah. My well, silly brain telling me like you're changing so you failed, but it's all the same. Yeah, it's funny how quickly we tell ourselves we're failing when we really aren't. And let's be honest, in today's economy, it is really common more often than not that people have to have yeah. two jobs and it doesn't mean they're failing at one or the other. It's actually just that this economy is so wild right now. But also one of the great things about being an entrepreneur is that you can structure your business how you want it to be so that you have time to sew yourself into other parts of your life, whether that's another job that brings you joy or brings you more income mm-hmm. or it's another hobby or it's some another business venture. That's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. And actually the most successful entrepreneurs are able to do that because you've structured your business in such a good way. So I think it actually speaks to your success. Aww, with well, this. thank you. And it, and it kind of got me thinking yeah, and yeah. a big reason of why I wanted to make this episode is the topic of like being in a being a business owner, but also choosing to keep a day job and not even necessarily full time nine to five, because that's not what I'm doing, but choosing to hold some kind of position alongside your business to bring in added income and security. This doesn't make you any less of a business owner. Different, sure, but not anything less. Exactly. You're not less valid for choosing to also be an employee alongside your business. You know, like, is your business not successful enough? Could you be doing more? I understand what you're saying. We tend to be at this point in society where if you're a business owner, you're expected to make six or seven figures. If you're like people's version of success as an entrepreneur is like, oh, you have to be Mm -hmm. like a millionaire. But that's so not true. It's not even everyone's goal or their ideal. Yeah, no, I've never tried to make six figures with this business. That would be insane. I would have to be doing so much more than just editing. And it's like that lifestyle, like, you know, I got to scoop up other people's clients. I got to be a shark. It's like, it's just not for anybody. That will never be me. It's just not who I am. And it's not my values whatsoever. And that's why I struggled so much with my more corporate position is I really care about people. And I honestly don't have this drive to be the most successful person in the world and not in a lazy way, but things like my husband, our future family, our home, my sanity and my relationship with the Lord are always light years more important than that. Like always. Do I love running my business? Yes. And can I see myself trying to go full time with it again in the future? Yeah. Like I'm not opposed to trying it again down the road, but has picking up a part-time job with something else I love improved my productivity, mental health, and quality of life? Big fat freaking yes. Exactly. And I think this also is a good point of like knowing yourself, knowing Are you the kind of person who thrives when you're a little bit more busy? Like you were saying earlier, do you thrive more when you have more to do? It makes you more productive in other parts of your life. So, and I love that you're still willing to to go full time again down the road, just kind of seeing where life takes you. Life has seasons and it's always changing. Um, And do you mind if I ask, I think it would be great to clarify for everybody, like why coffee again? (laughs) This is, I think like the fourth coffee shop you worked at. Um, I know there's a reason behind why I keep going that direction. So go ahead and share that with us. Yeah, no, because I've I've been asked this in interviews too. They're like, wow, you just really like doing coffee because I've done it on (laughs) and off for like almost eight years now. It's just something I really love. And that I have barely found anything that I love more than working in a cafe Mm. setting like that. I know I couldn't work retail or even waitress at a busy restaurant. I'm super clumsy and I see them carry some of the things they carry. (laughs) Working at a cafe, I'll carry one drink at a time to people and I don't care. (laughs) 
I'm like, you do not want to <laughs> see me try to balance stuff. Like, anyway, I knew I couldn't waitress. I knew I wouldn't want to work retail. Not really couldn't, but don't want to, rather. Okay. And I've noticed over the years that craft coffee and hospitality and creating a welcoming environment like that is just something right. I can't get away from. It's a job I can see myself having for years. Right. And of course, I have aspirations to open my own brick and mortar place as well. And it's even something like if that didn't happen, that would be okay. But like, I always pray like if that's something I meant to do and the opportunity Mm -hmm. came about that the Lord would give me the means to because that would just be be the dream and kind of be my next like missions field almost. It's just like a place that's so welcoming for people to come and like be together. Just gets me hyped up. Uh, I love it. Yeah. But as far as even just being an employer, right now I don't even really care that like I work with you know some high school kids or whatever I don't really care that high schoolers can do the same job it's something I love and when I'm not doing it I miss it whenever I'm working another job I always miss it so much it actually there's lots of opportunity to grow like I work with some other people who work in it full-time who were like twice my age and they work on like coffee development and like progressing the cafe to like be more efficient and all this stuff like there's lots of room to grow right, within it exactly. and yeah just haven't felt it haven't found anything I love more so right and that's that's probably one of the most important points of this you're doing something you love right now and if it's something that can put food on your table and it's something that you love mm-hmm. why not pursue it and why not pursue it for the rest of your life that's yeah. something that I think there's in the last few years, I don't know how many years, but like a while, at least this generation, there's such a big push for entrepreneurship and, um, you know, things like people not pursuing a normal college degree and a normal nine to fives. And it's because the previous generation kind of lost that connection of making sure that you enjoy your work, making sure you're doing something that you love, because then you're also feeding your mental health and you're also making sure that you're able to enjoy life because there's so much negative mental health problems that can come and even physical health problems that can come from hating your job. My dad used to say that you have to love your job or else you'll hate your life. And that was one of the things I just took away mm. so strongly that he he only probably said it a couple of times when I was younger, but it really stuck with me. And he just, he will be the first to say about times when he did not like his job and his life, he would wake up, even like you were saying before, he would wake up and throw up sometimes because he was so oh anxious to go to work. And then mm. if he had a job that he loved, if he worked at a school that he enjoyed, my dad's a teacher, by the way, um, then it was just mm-hmm. completely different. Would Was so excited to go to work. It was like the joy of his life. Yeah. So sometimes it doesn't even mean switching the the category of work. Like you said, it's still coffee, but it's actually at a place that's good and decent and a really great place to work. And, you know, there's such society from pressure to go to school and get a big degree and build a huge career. But yeah, like I just said, it doesn't work for some people. So it's amazing when you can find what you love and do that, even if it doesn't look like uh, what people expect. Right. And that's the overall point I want to drive home with this episode kind of in wrapping up is you. Okay, here we go. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to say it super quickly, but I have so much to say. You can be a successful full-time business owner and still hold a job somewhere else. You can use another job to fill in gaps in your income. Like with my business, yes, there's totally steps I could take to make more money from it and do it for time. There's, there's, There's a lot I could do. And again, not being lazy. It's just I chose to not go that direction. I could be booking more international clients. I could raise my prices and make that harder on my clients I already have. Mm -hmm. I could invest more in marketing. I could go the more shark direction and try to steal other clients, (laughs) but I never, ever, ever will. 
I would rather keep my same business values and just supplement my income in other ways. And entrepreneurship looks completely different on everybody. Mm -hmm. It's so person to person. And I feel like the person I worked for previously who, you know, was an entrepreneur and I will, I will hand it to this person was an excellent business person, like could command a room, could make sales, just this absolute CEO mindset that I do, that I do admire. I was struggling so hard because that's just not me. I am just not that kind of person. So am I any less of a business owner because I can't call and like make a sale in five mm-hmm. minutes? Nope. It's just a completely different business. Exactly. Absolutely. And you know, if you're a small business owner or you would like to be, but you're nervous to jump into it because of job security, or maybe you even like or love your current job and just want to cut down on hours so that you can look into business owning, all of that's great. Starting and owning a business isn't line- linear. There are definitely seasons of business and seasons of like, rest. Of course, you know, we're all still kind of talking about our business over here, which is photography and photo editing. And we're not a brick and mortar business. If you're starting or, or expanding a business like that, like a restaurant or a good store, things may look different for you, but the principle still stands. Your story will look different than others. And that does not make you a failure. It doesn't invalidate you or anything else like that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, that got me like so Mm -hmm. fired up actually. Like just that whole idea I love what you said about what if you want to start a business, like you have this entrepreneur spirit, but you still love the job you're at does not mean you have to just up and leave it like there's so much leeway. And again, I also just want to say that like, I was super fortunate to have this time to go full time in my business, even though it's not a six figure business, like I know the economy is harsh right now and stuff. I'm super blessed that between that and my dear sweet husband, we had the means to do so. Right. I know that looks different for everybody else, but still just want to encourage you. And that's kind of the reason why I want to encourage you. If you're like, hey, I can't just quit yep. my job for four months, actually. That's okay. I don't think anybody can. Like no one's just quitting their jobs for yep. fun. <laughs> so, Absolutely not. But yeah. Well, amazing. Mm-hmm. So good. All right, everybody. We know there was a lot to this episode. Let's see. We started out with crazy stories. Employee Mm -hmm. stories, boss stories, client stories. (laughs) We like talked about college. We know there was a lot. And we went from like our chill stories to full on business motivational. But we really just wanted to sit and have a chat with you all today. Tell some silly stories. Give you a life update from my end. And of course, as always, leave you with with our own advice and hopefully give you some motivation going into your week. Yeah, of course. As you all know, we love the topic of intentionality. That's kind of the heart behind this podcast. So no matter what your business owning or working journey looks like right now, as long as you're being intentional and putting your all into everything that you do, that's the important part. You know, all the small details will come later and make sure that you're proud of what you're doing and that it's what you love and that it'll make ends meet for you. Um, If you have to go pick up a part-time job to supplement your income or just because you want to, you've got this. Do it. Go for it. Absolutely. And also in keeping kind of the spirit at the beginning of this episode, any crazy work or boss Mm -hmm. stories, we want to hear yours. And maybe down the road, we can do an episode with like anonymous work stories in the future. Any crazy reasons you had to leave a job. So if you got a crazy work story or just anything else you'd like to share or respond to this episode, you know what to do. You can reach out to our Instagram at Art of Intention Podcast or send us an email at artofintentionpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I want to hear your wild client stories. It's always so fun. And then I think we will do a little like anonymous reading of them. 
eventually, maybe yeah. in a, a couple of weeks or something. Um, anyway, so you can keep up with our businesses and our stories by checking us out at Ayla B edits on Instagram and then me at best Weiser photography on Instagram. Thank you guys for joining us today and for taking the time to listen. We appreciate, we appreciate you all so, so much. And we can't wait to mm-hmm. hang out with you again next week. Bye. Absolutely. Bye.